Hello, I'm Lubina Margosian and welcome to the Week in Review for the week of March 1. In the news, foreign ministers of Armenia and Azerbaijan meet in Berlin. Pachinyan says Armenia may consider freezing its membership in the Russian-led Collective Security Treaty Organization and an armed Azerbaijani soldier crosses into Armenian territory and is apprehended. This week, the four ministers of Armenia and Azerbaijan met in Berlin. German Foreign Minister Anelia Baerbock participated in the first stage of the talks when Mirzoyan and Bayramov talked on a bilateral level. The talks of the foreign ministers lasted two days. This is from February 28th until the 29th. The meeting comes after German Chancellor Olaf Scholz hosted Prime Minister Ingol Pashinyan and President Ilham Aliyev on the sidelines of the Munich Security Conference in mid-February. The ministers and their delegations discussed perspectives and provisions of the draft bilateral agreement on establishment of peace and interstate relations between Armenia and Azerbaijan. Mirzoyan and Bayramov had separate meetings with their German counterparts. In Germany, the German foreign minister tweeted that Armenia and Azerbaijan are taking the courageous and at the same time difficult path to a peace treaty. Germany supports the peace talks whenever possible so that wounds can heal and peace can be successful for both people. Every meter on the way there counts. And here's a little background on Mirzoyan Bayramov meetings. This is this would be the 10th meeting of the Armenian and Azerbaijani foreign ministers since the 2020 war. The first meeting was held in New York during the UN General Assembly in September of 21, where they met with the OSC Minsk Group co-chairs from Russia, France, and the US. They held two additional meetings in October and November of 21, along with Russian and French foreign ministers, respectively. The next meeting with no mediators was held in Tbilisi. This was in July of 2022. Mirzoyan and Bayramov also had trilateral meetings along with the U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, in November of 2022, May and June of 2023, and with the Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov in May and July of 2023. And uh, during a question and answer session in Parliament this week, Armenia's Prime Minister Nigol Pashinyan said that Armenia agreed for the meeting of the foreign ministers to take place in Germany because Berlin is a signatory to the Granada document, which includes three important principles. First, the mutual recognition of the territorial integrity of Armenia and Azerbaijan based on the Alma-Ata Declaration. Second, that the Alma-Ata Declaration should serve as the basis for the delimitation process, and third, that regional communication should adhere to the principles of sovereignty, jurisdiction, equality, and reciprocity among countries. According to Pashinyan, the discussion in Germany was within the logic of the Granada agreements. On October 4, Nicole Pashinyan, Ilham Aliyev, Charles Michel, Emmanuel Macron, and Olaf Scholz were scheduled to meet in Granada, this is in Spain, to continue negotiations on the Armenia-Azerbaijan peace treaty. However, Azerbaijan refused to participate still. A text was adopted during the meeting in Granada that basically highlights the three points that Pashinyan has mentioned uh, this week. On uh, February 28, an Azerbaijani serviceman was detained by Armenia's National Security Service near the village of Der. This is in the Sunik region. The soldier was armed with an assault rifle. An investigation has been launched into the incident. Uh, well, when Azerbaijan was speaking 
speaking to locals from the Dervi uh, village, they said initially there were two Azerbaijanis. However, one was captured and the other one managed to escape. Azerbaijan's defense ministry said, meanwhile, that a soldier um, had lost his way and went missing due to bad weather while moving between Azerbaijani army posts. This week as well, Yerevan and Moscow continue to exchange accusations. Parliament Speaker Alain Simonian criticized Russian border guards and military personnel deployed in Armenia, saying that they do not protect Armenia against Azerbaijani attacks. This comes in light of uh, several media publications citing well, confidential sources saying that Armenia intends to remove the Russian border guards from the Zavartnos International Airport. So here's a little bit of a background about how come there are Russian border guards at Armenia's uh, Zavartnos International Airport. According to two bilateral treaties, Russian border guards protect Armenia's borders with Turkey and Iran, which constitute the external border of the former USSR. Both these treaties were signed in 1992. The Russian border guards have four headquarters in Armenia, one in Gyumri, one in Armavir, Artashat, and Mehri as well, and are not part of the 102nd Russian military base in Gyumri at least not on paper. And they operate under Russia's Federal Security Service. This is the FSB. Their exact number is unknown, but in 2020, Russian state media reported about 4,500 Russian border guards in Armenia. Besides the land borders to the west and south, Russian border guards are also stationed, along with Armenian border guards actually, at Yerevan Zavartnos International Airport. Their presence is not regulated by any inter state treaty, but by an agreement signed by the commanders of Armenian and Russian border guards. During and after the 2020 war, Armenia asked Russia to deploy border guards on the Armenia-Azerbaijan border in Sunik. Russian FSB border guards were deployed in different parts of the border, including Yerazh, this is near Nakhichevan, in Tavush, um, and most notably in Sunik, including Teh, Rapan, and elsewhere. Uh, we'll talk about a little bit about Russian border guards later in the podcast as well. In related news this week, Prime Minister Pashinyan announced during a parliament Q&A session that Armenia may actually consider freezing its memberships to CSTO. Last week, Pashinyan had told France 24 that Armenia had de facto frozen its membership to the uh, CSTO. Well, instead of fulfilling its security obligations to Armenia, the Collective Security Treaty Organization is creating security problems for Armenia, Prime Minister Pashinyan said. And yes, I want to make clear that... Uh, uh, this uh, meaning CSTO's position is a threat to Armenia's national security. Contrary to its obligation to adopt an adequate position towards Armenia's security, the CSTO is doing just the opposite, he said. Well, according to Pashinyan, Yerevan does not expect a military invitation from the security organization that it's a member of, but a diplomatic and political assessment of Armenia's internationally recognized territory. The alliance, he said, also remains reluctant to clarify its zone of responsibility in Armenia. Since last year, Armenia has uh, boycotted several level CSTO meetings and also canceled a CSTO exercise in Armenia, refused to name an Armenian deputy head of the organization, and recalled the Armenian representative from its Moscow headquarters. And a little bit more about the Russian border guards in Armenia. Pashinyan said that the Russian border guards do not have a main mandate 
or any authorization to uh, be near Nerkin Hand in Armenia's Tunic region. And this was in relation to an incident that took place two weeks ago when four Armenian volunteer servicemen were killed by Azerbaijani fire near Nerkin Hand. And following this incident, the European Observation Mission in Armenia representatives and Armenian officials announced that Russian border guards had denied the observation mission access to Hand. Of course, Russia responded to Pashinyan's uh, announcements. We regard this as another example of unfriendly behavior of the representatives of Ye- official Yerevan, said Zakharova, the foreign ministry spokesperson, adding that Moscow has not received any requests from the Armenian authorities on this score. She went on to say that Armenia's participation in CSTO events has indeed decreased significantly recently, which does not lie in Armenia's security interests, according to Zakharova. Nonetheless, Zakharova added that Moscow continues to consider Armenia a full CSTO member with all obligations and rights. And this week, several Armenian media outlets citing unnamed uh, uh, diplomatic sources announced that Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky, is planning a visit to Armenia on March 4. That would be this Monday. The Armenian foreign ministry has uh, declined to confirm or deny the information, saying only that it informs the public about the visits of foreign leaders in due course. The Ukrainian foreign ministry also had a similar answer to media inquiries about the visit. Ukraine's charge d'affaires in Armenia, Valery Labosh, did not give any information either about the visit. He only said that spring will bring positive events to Armenia, which led to only further speculation. And uh, the European Parliament adopted a resolution on the implementation of the Common Security and Defense Policy Annual Report 2023 this week. In the resolution, the European Parliament condemns the policies of aggression, including the pre-planned military attack of Azerbaijan against Nagorno-Karabakh, recalls that this attack followed months of organized starvation and isolation of the Armenians living in Nagorno-Karabakh through the blockade of the Lachin Corridor, underlines that the so-called Russian peacekeepers on site did not take any action to prevent or end the blockade or to stop the Azeri military assault against Nagorno-Karabakh, condemns the military support provided by non-EU countries to Azerbaijan, is seriously concerned about the consequences on the civilian population, which amounts to de facto ethnic cleansing, reiterates his view that the attack carried out by Azerbaijan cannot remain without consequences and calls for the EU to take sanctions against the Azerbaijani authorities responsible for multiple ceasefire violations and to suspend the Memorandum of Understanding on Energy. Calls for the EU to suspend negotiations over a new partnership agreement with Azerbaijan in light of recent events and the country's dramatic human rights situation. The European Parliament also called on the Council to increase the number of experts deployed as part of the EUMA to increase its mission's capacity and to extend its deployment time frame for five more years and its geopolitical scope to potentially include the Armenia-Turkey border. The European Parliament also calls on the European External Action Service to be prepared to provide the necessary technical assistance to Armenia through the European Peace Facility in order for Armenia to 
reconsider its current military alliances, and this would strengthen the resilience of Armenia in the context of ensuring security, independence, and sovereignty. The European Parliament also calls on the Council to be prepared to impose targeted and individual sanctions against the perpetrators of aggression, including, but not limited to, the political and military entourage of President Aliyev and suspend imports of gas and oil from Azerbaijan in the event of any military aggression against Armenian territorial integrity by Azerbaijan. And also, the EU Commissioner for International Partnerships said in the European Parliament this week that Armenia-EU relations are currently undergoing historic moments and that Armenia-EU relations have never been stronger than today. According to her, Armenia's previous decisions, which led to political, economic, and security dependency, uh, cannot be overcome overnight. However, the clear political uh, will of both sides will allow us to move forward in deepening and expanding our partnership, she said. More on Armenia's foreign policy, Arat Mirzoyan and Special Envoy for Armenia-Turkish Talks, Ruben Rubinian, are in Turkey to participate in the annual Antalya Diplomatic Forum. Armenia is participating in the forum for the second year in a row. Uh, during a panel discussion dedicated to peace, stability, and connections in the South Caucasus, Turkish special envoy for the talks with Armenia, Sardar Kılıç, suggested that holding uh, suggested holding the next meeting of the special envoys in Yerevan. Ruben Rubinian agreed and proposed to discuss details after the panel. The special envoys uh, have met four times since December of 21. The sides had agreed at the end of 2022 to open the border for third country citizens and diplomatic passport holders. However, this has not happened yet. During this recent meeting, Sardar Kılıç announced that the Armenian side was proposing the opening of the border for third-party citizens as a precondition. EU Special Representative to the South Caucasus, Tovio Klar, who was also participating in the panel, said that Turkey has a unique opportunity to help forge peace by opening the border with Armenia. Turkey can cement its role as the region's leading power. And um, over the weekend, Prime Minister Pashinyan was in Greece. There he met his counterparts, the sides reiterated support for each other, as well as discussed bilateral relations. Also, President Wagen Khachaturian was in Iraq this year. And in local news, uh, Ambassador-at-Large Edmond Marukian resigned yesterday. He cited differences in visions regarding a number of fundamental foreign policy issues with the government in the recent months, as the reason for his resignation. Marukian was appointed to the position in March of 2022 after the 2021 Azerbaijani incursions into Armenia's territory in Sunik. He announced about putting political differences with Pashinyan aside to help the government face security challenges. This week, Freedom House published its Freedom in the World 2024 report. It says that around the world, violent conflict, often driven by authoritarian aggression, caused death and destruction and imperiled freedom. In its reports, Freedom House also usually includes Nagorno-Karabakh. In 2024, the report said that the year's largest recorded decline in freedom was in Nagorno-Karabakh. It went from partly free to not free at all. 
The report explained the reason for this decline. It said it happened after a blockade and military offensive by the Azerbaijani regime led to the capitulation of the separatist government and to the de facto expulsion of its ethnic Armenian population. Armenia scored 54 points out of 100, making it partly free. Georgia is also partly free uh, with 58 points. The remaining countries in the region are not free. Azerbaijan has only 7 points, Iran 11, Russia 13, and Turkey 33. Nagorno-Karabakh's score, by the way, is minus 3, which last year was 37. And more in local news, this week Armenia's anti-corruption court decided to confiscate property worth over 2 billion drums, this is about 5 million US dollars, from former Armenian finance minister Gagik Khachatarian. The confiscated property makes up 77% of the total property illegally appropriated by the former minister. The anti-corruption court is investigating another four cases concerning Khachatarian, his two sons and nephew. And also, the Armenian government announced this week that it has acquired 20% of one of Armenia's leading telecommunication providers, MTS Armenia's shares. The company had already announced back in January about donating part of its shares to the Armenian government. According to Pashinyan, the government must aim uh, that telecommunication and other companies of strategic importance make their shares available for citizens. This will also increase the transparency of of these companies, he said. And previously, the Armenian government obtained 21.8% of the Zangezur copper plant and 12% of the Amosar gold mine. And Kond, one of the oldest districts in downtown Yerevan, will be expropriated. The aim is to turn Kond into a tourist zone, said the Yerevan municipality, but still preserve the history of the district. Kond is one of the oldest courtists in Yerevan, as I said, and this conversation around Kond has been going on for a long time. Uh, the district itself is problematic. Uh, from previous inquiries, I know that a lot of the residents there uh, do not have property papers. It does not have uh, infrastructure sufficient enough to sustain a, its population right now. However, a bigger plan for Kond is always concerning for any person living in Yerevan uh, and turning it into a tourist zone is still kind of taking something away from, from the city and its um, indigenous led, uh, led last week uh, population. Uh, however, we'll be following this story closer. And a bit of good news, the Armenian gymnast Artur Davtian secured a gold medal again in the vault exercise during the second round of the Gymnastics World Cup in Germany. He had also won a gold in the first round of the World Cup in Egypt. These World Cup rounds are crucial for rankings leading up to the Paris Olympics. Stavtian has already secured a spot in the Armenian national team for the Olympics. And now a little bit about what we published this week. Today we published the EVN security report for February. It's uh, titled Armia's new hard power capabilities navigating defense procurement. 
the author, Dr. Nerses Kopalian, says that one of the major structural and systemic reasons for the difficulties and problems inherent to arms procurement is the concept of national security exception, a modality of thinking and policy implementation that permits military and security issues to be treated with special privileges. He says the problem with blanket secrecy, of course, is that it allows for underperformance, instances of corruption, and system-wide inadequacy or negligence to be hidden from the ability of civil society, parliament, and the public in general to hold government accountable. In the case of Armenia, a discussion needs to be had on a transparent assessment of concrete systemic failures, waste, or corruption within the armed forces remains a highly sensitive subject. Uh, he says he also cites a body of scholarship that will help Armenia navigate this arena. Uh, he says addressing the national security exception would be crucial. Collaborative relations between parliament, civil society, and defense are, sector are crucial, as well as there needs to be rigorous structuring of all stages of the procurement process. And we have a couple of more related articles this week. Uh, we have one by Sosi Tatikyan, How Azerbaijan Deceives and Harasses the International Community, Baku's Expansionist Objectives Under the Spotlight. This is the title. She says Azerbaijan has been using military and diplomatic coercion to achieve its maximalist objectives, employing wide-ranging tools of hybrid of hybrid warfare and also deceiving and harassing international actors. Tatikian's article also kind of has a couple of reminders that I found interesting. She says it is crucial to remember that Azerbaijan initiated the first Qarabakh war, and even prior to it, there were large-scale massacres of Armenians in major Azerbaijani cities in response to the peaceful movement of self-determination of Armenians in Nagorno-Qarabakh. This was followed by massacres and forced displacement of Armenians from various places in Nagorno-Qarabakh and Lower Qarabakh. Azerbaijan also imposed a blockade on the Lachin Corridor from 1989 until 1992, isolating Armenians in Nagorno-Karabakh while simultaneously shelling them from Ardam. She also says that it's worth noting that some parts of Nagorno-Karabakh uh, itself and Armenia populated areas of Lower Karabakh, such as Getashen and Shahumyan, remained under Azerbaijani occupation with no Armenian population since the First Karabakh War. Anyhow, have a read. It's it's uh, it's a long article. <laughs> Yet another, also another article uh, discusses self-determination. It's called Lenin in the Periphery, Self-Determination and Its Discontents. It's by Galen Janshazian. It's about how Lenin's definition of self-determination had consequences on contemporary geopolitics. And uh, last but not least, the eagle and the trident. In light of recent talks about Zelensky's potential visit to Armenia, the author uh, takes a look at Ukraine's experience over the past two years and uh, points out how this could provide insights into how similar democracies must fight against their larger authoritarian neighbors. He says, despite Russia maintaining an absolute advantage in uh, manpower and firepower, Ukraine has managed to deliver multiple blows to crucial elements of Russian industry and military infrastructure through the use of UAVs. And uh, rather than focusing on the numerical advantage of the Azerbaijani military, Armenia should consider how to 
emulate Ukraine's strategy of smart asymmetrical warfare. And that was all for this week. It was a little bit long and we will be back again next week. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.